Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you all. Um, And in case you're wondering who I am, um, my name is still David Walker, and uh, I am your vicar, and it is a joy to be back with you. And um, no, 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 please, please. Um, You're very kind. Um, So much has changed, hasn't it, in the last few days? I don't know about you, but I've just been slightly glued to the television over the weekend, watching endless programmes on Her Royal Majesty. And I think, uh, if you're anything like me, we're all slowly coming to terms with the fact that she has died. And perhaps more than that, just uh, an increased awareness of what a truly extraordinary woman she was and what a fruitful life she lived. I won't be the first one to uh, remind you of this, uh, these words. The Prime Minister, our new Prime Minister, said the Queen was the rock in which modern Britain was built. But you and I know that the key to the Queen's strength and longevity and service was the rock on which she stood. The psalmist says this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. And at the turn of the century, the Queen, in one of her broadcasts, said this, For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. And I was reflecting this weekend. I grew up in a non-Christian family. Uh, We never talked about God. Jesus wasn't mentioned. We never, I mean, amazingly, not once went to church in my childhood. And so the first time I heard of Jesus as saviour was watching the television as a young boy as the Queen gave her Christmas broadcast and declared the Lord as her saviour. And so I've written in the book of condolence, which I encourage you to add to uh, after the service. It's in the atrium. It is the Queen's faith that has really impacted me, that I have learned from. And so when I stood as a member of clergy and swore an allegiance to Her Royal Majesty and successors, I did so with a total confidence, knowing that here was a woman whose life was founded upon the rock that is Christ, and who has done a remarkable job to the very end of her days, following Jesus, declaring Jesus, and being obedient to him, depending upon him. And so this passage of scripture that we're going to look at this morning, John 15, is is part of a little series. We're going to be in John's gospel for 
a few weeks. And we're going to look at what it means for us as church to be called by Jesus. And today it's more about that personal call. Next week about a call to mission and then a call to generosity. But it seems really fitting that as we, with a nation, reflect on the Queen, her life, her, her ministry, I would say, that we think about what was it that underpinned her love and her service? What helped her be, or we should say who helped her be so fruitful in her life? And we could look at this passage and say, these are the essentials of the faith. And so let's pray for a moment now, and then we're going to open our Bibles and, and look at these words together as we reflect on Jesus' call for us. Let's pray now. Lord Jesus, we humble ourselves before you this morning. We want to thank you that Queen Elizabeth was a woman who followed you obediently, who now rests in peace and rises in glory. Thank you for the hope we have that she is now with you for eternity. And so might we learn, Lord, from your word this morning and over these coming days from the example of her life, what it means to walk in step with you. And so in your gentleness, by your grace and your mercy, draw alongside us now, Lord, that we would hear you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Each one of you are created to be in the closest possible relationship with God. He formed you, he created you. This is what he's made you for. To live a life of total dependence upon him. Trusting him every step of the way through the good times and the bad times. Through the times when we feel him closer to us and the times when we wonder where he is. You are created by God to depend upon him in prayer throughout your life, every moment of every day, a continual conversation of reliance and dependence upon God. And this is the first point that jumps out from this passage to me, that we are to be a people who are dependent upon Jesus. This is the way God's made you and me, and so it's not a surprise that when we're not in that place, when we're not in the place that God has created you and me to be, that we don't live lives in all their fullness. As Jesus speaks about in John's Gospel, in John 10.10. So let's have a look at these words together. So please do, you're going to need a Bible. You can have it on your phone, you can grab one from the, the seats uh, in front of you, or maybe one that you brought, it doesn't matter, but... We're going to look at these words together. Jesus is with his disciples uh, as he is speaking these words. They're in the upper room. And if you flick back a bit to chapter 13, you'll see that Jesus has been washing the disciples' feet. 
He has predicted that Judas is going to betray him. He's predicted that Peter is going to deny him. And then in chapter 14, he goes on to provide comfort for his disciples, looking forward to the way to the Father, but also the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is saying, his promise is that he will be with you always. Those are the words, aren't they, at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus says, I will be with you until the end of the age. And so Jesus here in John 14 is promising the Holy Spirit to say, you're not alone. You know, however you are feeling here today, you are not alone. God is with you. His Spirit is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In fact, why don't you just look to each other and say the Spirit of God is in you and with you. Sometimes we want to speak these things out. And so it's through Jesus' words as he's in this upper room with his disciples that he's also revealing in, through this discourse who he is. And so we read that he, he has this series of I am statements that some of you will be familiar with. I am the bread of life, he says. The light of the world, the gate, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life. And finally, in John 15, he says here, I am the vine. All these images of light, of shepherds, of bread, of the vine, throw back to ancient traditions within the Jewish faith. And of course, we see them as we work back through the Old Testament. And we can see in passages like Isaiah chapter 5 that the people of God, the ones who were chosen by God to be his light to the nations, Israel, were called the vine. Here, suddenly in John 15, Jesus is saying, he is the vine. And the question for all his people, including us, is are we firmly connected to the vine? Jesus is giving us this picture that what matters is how we depend upon him in our lives. That we are to live totally intertwined with Jesus, as one, as one in Christ, as a branch is connected to a vine, so close that everything that comes through the vine flows into the branches. We cannot live unless we are connected to that vine. And the picture he's giving us is stark. He's showing us the difference between what it means in life to thrive and flourish on one hand, or wither and perish on the other. It is, uh, I'm going to press pause for a minute there, it is truly wonderful to be back with you all. It really is. Um, I have loved my time away. And I've said to a few of you, uh, for those of you who don't know, I've been on a sabbatical, which is a, uh, well, you know what that is, um, time away to be with the Lord. And... It has been the most remarkable three months. And I only realised when I stopped quite how much I needed to stop. 
I only realised when I stopped quite how done in I was for a whole number of reasons. 15 years of ministry without taking a significant break, riding through some difficult times here and in the parish I was in before, COVID, the list goes on. But God is faithful and God is good. And what he did is he took little old David Walker in his hands and he just gently gave me rest and held me and restored me and actually resurrected me. And I want to give some of you hope. If you're here today and you feel done in, I totally understand. But remember that God is faithful and God is good. And God will draw alongside you too. He is with you. He always has been. And he always will be. And that's perhaps one of the lessons I learned was as much as I say God is always with you, I had to step back and it was as if I had to dial down the sound of the world to increase the volume of God's voice, to hear that gentle whisper. And in that place, he did heart surgery on me. And so I come back refreshed and restored with a renewed call to serve the Lord here in this place and with joy a joy that, quite frankly, I had lost in those last few weeks of, of ministry here. But I think one of the key lessons for me is God is always with us. Always. You know, that's his promise. The question is, where was David Walker when I felt done in? Where, where are we in relation to the Lord? He is with you. He is in you. Sometimes we too need to dial down the, the volume of the world and tune in again to the Lord. Remain in me, says Jesus, as I remain in you. And Jesus says here in this passage, with him we will flourish. We will be fruitful in our lives. We'll pray in line with his will. Have a look at the words in John 15. Our prayers will be answered. With him in verse 8 it says, we will bear fruit and truly be his disciples. In fact, Jesus goes on to say he will call us friends. But without him, we read here that we will wither, we will shrivel up and eventually perish. We'll be discarded, we'll be useless. It's as if, he says, a branch was totally ineffective. It will just be thrown onto a fire, redundant. Verse 5 of chapter 15, have a look. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And the biggest lie that David Walker says to himself and that we say to ourselves is, I can do it. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. But how do we know if we're connected to the vine? Well, the answer is simple. It's if we remain in him. If we remain in him. We will bear fruit, we read. If we believe in him, if we put our trust in him, it is that simple. 
And the fruit he speaks of involves us fulfilling his mission. Jesus is focusing his disciples here on the mission to go and be the light to the world. And if there ever was a time now for this nation, we need every believer in this country to go out now and to proclaim the goodness of God and to tell people the hope that the Queen had, the hope that you have, the hope that is Christ crucified and resurrected. But the fruit also involves displaying the nature of God, his compassion and his strength, his humility, the humility we see in Christ, truth, love, generosity, the list goes on. And Jesus says we cannot produce this fruit on our own. It only comes from living a life totally surrendered to Jesus, doing his will, not our will, dying to self, and allowing that pruning that you can read about in verse 2 that involves repentance and turning back to God that leads to God shaping and moulding our lives more into his likeness. So what we see in here is a call to depend on Jesus for everything in our lives. But we also see, and this is the last point, a call to obedience. Now I want you to think back to that moment when you first came to faith, when the Lord saved you. And for some of us it's, it's a moment, for other of us it's, it's a little less clear. But for me, I, I remember it clearly. In fact, I went to the church where the Lord saved me in, in Woking, of all places. And um, I was there during my sabbatical. And it was such a joy to be back there and to see everyone, some who were there when I first came to faith. But I remember on that day and the week that followed, I went round telling everyone about Jesus. I was so full of joy. And you, I hope, would have been similar But as we march on in the faith, we tread this path of following Jesus, of, of growing in the faith, of understanding who he is and his teaching more and more. And it's not infrequent that the joy slightly drops off. And so as I speak about the importance of obedience that we read about here in John 15, I'm aware that the words obedience and joy do not often go together. Certainly when it comes to parenting, if I talk to my children about obedience, their response is not always, hooray, joy of joys, dad. Of course we want to obey whatever you're saying. But Jesus here says something really different. Verse 9, he says, remain in my love. Verse 10, keep my commands. Verse 12, love each other as I have loved you. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. What Jesus is saying is this obedience leads us into a greater understanding, awareness, reality of his love. Following Jesus, and this will not be a monumental surprise to you, but following Jesus means doing what he says, living a life similar to the one he led in his strength. But that means we need to understand his commands. And that's why I just 
as you know, when I meet with you, I, one of my first questions is, are you reading the scriptures every day? Because we cannot understand what he commands if we're not even reading God's word. And if you're here today for the first time and maybe you've never even opened a Bible before, you have permission to take the Bible that you've taken from the seat in front of you. This will breathe life into you. Digest it, read it, pray into it, live by it every day of your lives. At the end of the passage in John 15, we read God's will for you and me. And again, many of us ask, what is God's will for me? Here it is. Verse 16, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that, and here it comes, you may go and bear fruit. That is the will of God for you in, in your life. Fruit that will last so that whatever you ask, says Jesus, in my name, the Father will give you. God wants your life to be fruitful. And I think that's why as believers we, we look to her royal majesty and her life as, as the sort of the, the telescope zooms out, if you like, and we see the full span of her life, 96 years, 70 years of sacrificial service to the country. And we will say together, there is a fruitful life. There is a faith-filled life. There is an example of how to follow Jesus. As we read through these words in John 15, we understand Jesus is saying, obedience leads to joy. Joy and love. If we obey him, we remain in his love. We love one another, we read. And in verse 11... The joy of the Lord will be in us. And in fact, we read, our joy will be complete. Obedience is the path to joy. Obedience. And I'm learning this in my life. You know, during my sabbatical, I had to surrender myself again and say, Lord, I will go wherever you want me. I will do whatever you want me to do. And I still find that sometimes a hard prayer to pray. But I've done it, and I will do it every day of my life. Because I know that in surrendering myself again, I find life in all its fullness and complete joy. And it doesn't mean that life is easy. It never is in my experience but it's a deep-seated, God-given, spirit-filled joy that comes from walking in step with the Father. God is graceful. We're never going to get this all right. You know, as I sat on a beach in Cornwall during a, a week of silence, which was quite painful in itself, some of you would love that, I found it agony, the Lord led me to a place of seeing my own deep sinfulness. You know, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict us. Different from condemnation, which is that sort of feeling of I am not worthy. The work of the Holy Spirit points 
accurately into my life and yours and says, this needs pruning. This needs cutting out. This needs transformation. And in that place on the beach, I was reduced to tears, my own wretchedness. But then the tears changed to a sense of absolute wonder and gratitude again at God's saving grace that he would send his son Jesus to come to this earth to be with us and to go to a cross for me to take my sin past, present and future on the cross in that amazing exchange that has led me and you as we put our trust in him to a life of total freedom as we walk with the Lord. And this is what God is calling Greyfriars and New Hope to. I really believe it as I come back. It's a deeper and more heartfelt repentance, a greater surrender from all of us to the Lord. And in that place, lives that bring greater fruit, a church that brings greater fruit and leads to joy, joy and love that overflows. And that's what this nation needs at the moment. The death of Queen Elizabeth reminds us again that without Jesus, there is no hope. That is the problem the country's facing. The Queen has died. There is no framework to understand her, her life, her death, her service, or what comes next for the country or for individuals. Most people don't share the hope of the resurrection that you and I have, that the Queen had, and that actually, praise God, King Charles III articulated in his first speech. So now is the time for the church to rise up and to step into that call that God has for us to be bold as we proclaim Jesus, to speak a message of hope over this nation, to pray for the country, to pray for King Charles, to pray for the new government who have a task that quite frankly none of us would want to oversee. We are the church. We are the only ones with the answer and with the good news of Jesus and we have to take it out to the world. That's what it means to be fruitful. That is what Queen Elizabeth did. And that is why we give thanks for her. And Jesus showed this obedience and dependence on his father as he went to the cross. And this, the contents of this cup, as Jesus, we read it in Mark's Gospel, Jesus sat down with his disciples and he gathered them around the table and he said, this is the fruit of the vine. The blood of Jesus that we share today, this morning, to remember his death and his resurrection. Because the life of a follower of Jesus involves Dying to self, pruning, 
repentance, and then resurrection, new life. And one day, please Lord, we trust in you, just like Her Royal Majesty, Queen Elizabeth II, you and I will rest in peace and rise in glory with Jesus forever. So let's be still for a moment and allow the Lord to search our hearts. It is right that we allow the Spirit of God to search our hearts, to lead us into repentance. So ask God, where does he want to prune and transform you and me? And then in a moment we'll pray a prayer of confession together.